0: Hey, y'all. This is Amy. And this is Meg. And we are 1096 Crime Chicks. Today, we are going to continue with the Cameron Todd Willingham case. Meg, do you want to give a brief rundown of part one? Synopsis on where we're at? Yeah. Sure. So,
1: first of all, if you haven't listened to part one, clearly, go listen before you listen to this. For sure. For sure. This will not catch you up to speed fully. But Cameron Todd Willingham, he was a young man like 21 23 okay I think. lived in Corsicana Texas <laughs> yeah and had three little girls one year old twins two year old daughter wife went christmas shopping and a horrible fire started in his home the three little girls were all killed he ran out of the house yelling you know to call the police fire etc the girls died cameron Todd did not die and he was arrested and convicted of arson, of starting the fire, and then of capital murder. Capital murder of his three daughters. Right.
0: So he was put on death row from that trial. Yes. All right. So we're going to continue. So when we
1: ended the last podcast, Cameron Todd Willingham had just been convicted. It was a really brief trial. It was just a two-day trial. Right. Which is super scary to me that they can send anyone to death row when there's only enough evidence to be played out of a two-day trial so yeah he was he was sent to death row the jury returned a guilty verdict and that was that but right that was not that there's actually a lot more to the story and I think most people haven't heard that there was more to the story. So, we want to get
0: into that a little bit. And- right. So, there is an organization, I say organization, I don't know, but there's a thing that you can do in prison, which I'm sure we've all heard of as pen pals. Oh, yeah. And so, there was a lady named Elizabeth Gilbert. She was a 47 year old French teacher and she also wrote plays in Houston. So, this lady's pretty cool. Yeah she had a friend that worked for an organization that was against the death penalty yes and her friend encouraged her to be a pen pal to someone that's on death row in texas and she elizabeth gave her address and she got a letter from cameron todd willingham i think i would like to be pen pals with do you Uh (laughs)
1: uh-huh i think i want to be pen pals with darlie (laughs)
0: <laughs> that would be kind of cool, but I would say if we wanted to do pen pals with somebody, it would have to be like a PO box. Oh I yeah. would not want. That oh, your out. home address. Yes. yes. Is that kind of creepy? I
1: would, but Darlie would. She can come over. I don't care. She like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if Darlie has my address. Anyway. Sorry. Right. Okay. Elizabeth Gilbert. Yes. Pen so pals. So
0: in the letter that Willingham sent her, he said he would love to be pen pals with her and would love to meet her. If she came to visit him on death row. That'd be fascinating. Yeah. To visit someone on death row. Right. Fascinating. I would love to even just go on a tour
1: of death row. Yeah, me too. It'd probably be devastating. I, I think so. I think so we so. have a friend who has done yes, that. Yes, Carly. Yes, yeah, I, it's done that. And I either
0: saw Darlie or... I don't remember if she said she saw her or if she saw her cell where all the pictures oh, were. Oh, yeah. So but anyway, remember. it
1: definitely carries more emotional weight to it, I think, that I'm letting on here. Saying like, oh, I'd love to visit. Like she said, it really carried a large emotional burden to see yes. these cells and these people and this, you know, just dark dank place that it actually is so yeah anyway
0: okay so, in the spring of 1999, Elizabeth went to visit Willingham in what some call, quote, the death pit. Yeah, devastating. So,
1: she goes through the razor wire fence. You know, you don't just, like, walk in the front door. There's a, there's a <laughs> right. lot There's a lot to get through. So, uh, razor wire fence, through the floodlights, you get padded down, and then she came to a small sitting room, and there's a piece of plexiglass between she and Willingham, and he came in wearing a white jumpsuit. Jumpsuit said dr on it, so I guess everybody on death row has a like a dr stamp on them too. It's kind of cool, right? Because then
0: you can say I'm a doctor. Uh, <laughs> doctor
1: Willingham. <laughs> so he comes in about six feet tall. You can see his tattoos. Probably could look intimidating. Large burly man. Right. With a bunch of tattoos. Just an aside, does anybody, if you visit anybody on death row, is there always that plexiglass?
0: I think so. Okay. You yeah. don't get to just sit down and visit. I think most visitations, there's In plexiglass. In prison? Okay. Now, I, I know that there's some that... You don't have the plexiglass, but I think that that's in general, particularly
1: death row. Right. Okay. Got it. Okay. So by this point, whenever Elizabeth went to meet him, he had been, Willingham had been in prison for seven years. He had not kept his nose clean. And so he had been in segregation a few times, otherwise known as the dungeon. So he wasn't. A model prisoner. No. No, he kind of got into some... That doesn't go over well. Scuffles. No, I can imagine on death row, they don't put up with a lot of... Right scuffle so for a time after he was convicted Stacy had championed him Stacy's his wife mm-hmm. so for a while after Willingham had been convicted his wife you know she she didn't think he did it she wrote a letter to the governor of Texas that was back when Ann Richards was governor saying that you know that she clearly knew him very well she knew him in ways that no one else knew him she knew that he didn't murder their children but that kind of fell on deaf ears and by the one year in a for of his incarceration, Stacy had filed for divorce.
0: But what do you feel about that? Like, I almost feel like, and this is probably going to sound horrible, but maybe she just wanted to live her life, like, no, I totally get it. I think that she really genuinely loved him, but... It's kind of like Darren and Darlie. Yeah, I hate to
1: keep going back, but like Darren still says, I love Darlie, I will always love Darlie, but you can't live in that place forever. Right. And that kept him tied to this place and this horrible time and this horrible whatever, and he just... Yeah, no, I get that. Right. I don't think filing for a divorce means that you believe someone's guilty. Right.
0: So the only visitors that Willingham had had since then were his parents. They would drive from Oklahoma once a month to come visit him. So obviously, Elizabeth being a new face was very uplifting for him, and he thanked her for visiting him. Yeah, yeah. He told Elizabeth in letters that he did not want to talk about death row when she came to visit because he lived there and saw it every day, which was very Yeah, Absolutely. And instead, he asked her about her art and different things that she liked to do. After one visit, he even apologized to Elizabeth for not accepting her offer for snack. He told her that he didn't want her to think that all he wanted was things bought from her. He only wanted her company, which I think is kind of cool. That's very really I mean, sweet, yeah. You hear about how prisoners all they want is money. Yeah, or, money for the commissary right. or for
1: whatever. No, I think that's cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She
0: found him to be very interesting. They had a two hour visit and she agreed to visit him again. And in between visits, he wrote her about what kind of the man, that he was, and that he always told the truth. Yeah. It's sad. I
1: know. It's very sad. So. After they'd been re- writing letters for a while, Willingham and Elizabeth, she started to ask him about the fire. She wanted to know a little bit more about it. So he told her that he didn't start it. And then if anyone poured an accelerant and started it, they were still free. Whoever did it was still free because it was not him. And Elizabeth had always assumed he was guilty just because whilst was he on death row? I mean, people just trust, I guess, that people on death row are guilty, which obviously we know is not always the case. Okay, so she still let him bend her. She thought he was guilty. She assumed he was guilty, but she still let Willingham vent because he obviously needed to vent. So after talking to him more and more, though, she decided she needed more answers. Like maybe this case wasn't as clear cut as she thought it was. So she drove to Corsicana where the fire had been and she filed a request to get all the reports from the case. She wanted to read over it. Obviously, the people of Corsicana would not have forgotten this, you know, insane case. Right. And uh, she was looked at cautiously because, I mean, who would want more information about this horrible man? who would killed his three children. So the people of Corsicana were a little suspicious of elizabeth
0: absolutely and i mean i would assume i mean corsican is a pretty small town. right absolutely so they're thinking what is outsider doing wanting information about a case that's close this case is close exactly. he's guilty we're done with this yeah right got it so she sat down to start looking at the files and immediately started finding discrepancies yes for example Diane barbie had testified that he had not tried to get into the house but then how would she know this if she left to call the fire department? So right,
1: they realized that some of the reports were um, yeah
0: right. But I also, firefighters on scene said that he had tried to get into the house several times. So again, how could testimony saying that he didn't try to get in the house get
1: the kids out be true? You know, we talked about this last time, but eyewitness accounts are only so. Yes, you can only. Glean so much for them. You can't just take them as truth because people eyewitness accounts differ all the time. Correct. And even from honest people, even people who are trying to be helpful, they still differ. Your brain just remembers.
0: Think about that guy, the guy from Colleen, the Netflix show. I think it's called Exhibit A. Yes. And he is now out of prison yeah. after a lot of years. A I don't remember. A lot
1: long. of years.
0: And I have not actually watched the show yet, but I did watch... A video of him going into the gas station mm-hmm. where they said he killed someone. Yeah, and shot. It is obvious that he's not the guy. Yeah, isn't it crazy? It, it's crazy.
1: Well, and we talked about this last case too, but lots of different Columbine survivors who were there that day have like totally different accounts. There were three guys doing it. They were all in long coats. They weren't in long coats. They were as a girl. I mean, they're just PTST says it. Right. You remember different things. So anyway, so that's what that's what she that's what Elizabeth is realizing. Elizabeth is starting to realize that different accounts differ and different eyewitness accounts differ. And so it's making her really interested and Finding out what happened here,
0: right? So again, looking at Diane Barbie's testimony, she said that on the day of the fire, Willingham was hysterical, and then the house exploded. But a few days later, she told the investigators that he could have tried to go back in the house because the smoke was not really heavy when she first saw him. It's just insane that people get convicted on.
1: But I mean, do you think did she even mean to? Like you wonder, like did she mean
0: to mislead people?
1: Was she trying to get him convicted? Did, I, I don't know. I
0: mean, I would say that she genuinely thought that she said one thing. Yeah. Probably.
1: So hysterical in the moment. I can't right. imagine what your brain does. I agree. I can't imagine what your brain does in a moment where you know that three kids are burning up. Your brain is right. clearly all over the place. Yeah. So anyway, that and then um, she also found discrepancies with the chaplain. That was Father Monahan and his testimony. And so originally he had said that Willingham was hysterical and that he had physically tried to stop him from running back into the house to look for his girls. But then days later, during the investigation, he said that Willingham seemed like he was totally in control of the situation and knew more than everyone else did. So that's aggravating. Yeah, it really makes me mad.
0: Yeah. It's like, and again, I wonder if it was the same thing where he thought he said one thing and then he said something different. Yeah. And let's remember, I mean, this is probably going to sound horrible, but I mean, he is a man of God. He's a chaplain. Right. So for him to say two conflicting things, I don't think it was on purpose. Purposeful.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Brain just, I just, I don't know. I don't know what happens to your brain in such a situation. Yeah, so, but as we're talking about, there have been lots of studies done on this, on the mind, and these studies come back to show that once people have something introduced to them, that it's really easy to influence them to what was introduced to them. So, like, telling kids something is bad, and then the kids automatically scream when they see or
0: are around that something. Right. There was, I learned about it when I was going to school for criminal justice. Yes. it was the Bobo the Clown experiment. Oh. And what they did was they had two groups of kids. One group played with Bobo the Clown and everything was great. Yeah. The second group, they told the kids that Bobo the Clown was bad. And so, and remember, Bobo the Clown was the clown that had like the ball at the bottom so you could like knock it back and forth and it Kay. came back up. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So the second group of kids that were told that Bobo the Clown was, was bad. bad would go in there and start beating up on it. Uh, and so <laughs> they, you know, this one group, everything is great because they weren't right. told he was bad. The second group, he's bad, so they started beating up on right. it. That's, without him ever, yeah, without the group right. ever doing anything. Yeah,
1: so we know that. We know that the mind works in these funny way so Elizabeth is frustrated and so after finding all this out so she keeps talking to Willingham about the fire trying to find out more she asked him what the motive was and he didn't he didn't have a motive he indicated that he never would have killed him he wasn't right. his story never changed he may have been a crappy husband to Stacy, but he never would have hurt his children he said that he and Stacy had been together for a while but they had never gotten married and then 3 months before the the fire they did go back to his hometown of Ardmore, Oklahoma and got married. So, yes You know, maybe he wasn't a great husband, but that certainly didn't make him a murderer.
0: Which I think, I mean, I think that that kind of shows that their marriage may not have been great, but they were in a good place.
1: Right. They had just gotten married. Yes. Yes. Well, and he wasn't trying to make himself look like a great man either. To me, that's him saying like, yeah, sure. I was a crappy husband. Sure. I wasn't great. I wasn't perfect. Absolutely. He wasn't trying to portray himself as like... Was this amazing husband? I was a I never would have done that. He was admitting like I was a crappy husband. I didn't do everything right, but I still didn't kill my kids. Right. So
0: he said that Jackson, the lead prosecutor declared him a demon yes. and they had dug into his past and made him out to be a really bad person. What they didn't see was the man that he had become. One example of this was when he moved the car that was parked next to the house during the fire. Yeah. His viewpoint again, and we talked about this in the last episode was he was trying to protect the kids if something happened and the car exploded? He didn't move it because he wanted he didn't want damage done to the car. Right. It was just of course you know a, it's full of a gasoline, cellar. right. Yes, yeah,
1: so and it's going to blow. So.
0: So this made Elizabeth start to question whether or not he really was guilty. She started asking around to friends and family to find out more about him. She got a lot of flack from her friends and family because of this. Because who would want to help a convicted murderer? Yeah. You know? So the, this is really cool. I, think. I know. I like this part. The morning of their next visit to the prison to visit Willingham, his parents met Elizabeth at a small coffee shop near the prison. They expressed to her how grateful they were that she had taken an interest in his case and that she was willing to talk to him. Yeah. I think that's really cool. I know. That's sweet. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I like that.
1: So his stepmother, Eugene, she told Elizabeth that she had talked to Willingham the night before the fire, and that she and her husband, who is obviously Willingham's father, they were going to be visiting them in Corsicana. So Willingham and Stacy and the girls in Corsicana two days later, two days after the fire on Christmas Eve. Willingham told her that he had picked up their family pictures, and he had copies waiting for them of their pictures. He put Amber on the phone to talk, and Amber was tattling on the twins for doing something (laughs) wrong. It was a normal, just a totally normal conversation. She said never once did she hear anything wrong in Ham's voice that she said she would have known. If something was amiss or awry, she would have known. Right. Because remember,
0: she had been in his life since he was like three. Right.
1: Right. Since he was a little boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She knew him very well, and it was a totally normal phone call. They were coming on Christmas Eve. They had just gotten Christmas pictures taken. And also, they had just gotten them taken. It probably cost money to get them right. taken. And they didn't have much money in the first place. So, like, why do you, just, yeah. yeah, he doesn't, he has them in the mail. Like, anyway, so she said she absolutely would never, you know, she would have known if something was wrong. But the phone call was totally normal. Right. So, Elizabeth starts talking to even more people. After that, there were several people like Diane Barbie who still thought that Willingham was guilty, but some of his friends and family were starting to change their minds and thought that he could possibly be innocent. So,
0: I mean, you almost hear the hallelujah chorus.
1: When right, you starting that, to, like, yeah, wait a minute. Yeah, right. this light bulb is starting to go off. And I also wonder, too, and we've talked about this before, but obviously, you know, they were really poor. And I wondered, I. Don't you think even just because of their situation, you know, she works at a bar, he stays home all day, they're super poor. Don't you think that automatically just puts people in a crappy situation? Just
0: 100%.
1: It automatically just puts this cloud of suspicion over him just because of like who they were or what they, I don't know. I just feel like it automatically gives you a notch. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I no, agree. I'm trying to say? Oh, yeah, 100%. They're totally like, agree.
1: oh, yeah, we knew them. He didn't even have a job. They lived in government housing. Yeah, mm-hmm. he probably was guilty. Like, it automatically just... You lose credibility somehow because of that, and right. it just
0: stinks. So, Elizabeth talked to Willingham's former probation officer from Oklahoma. Her name is Polly Gooden. She said that Willingham was one of her favorite clients, and she said that he was always a really good kid, even a former judge... And I think her name was Bebe Bridges. Bebe. BB. Who was often putting Willingham in jail said so she could not imagine him killing his children. Gooden, the probation officer, said that Willingham came to see her in Oklahoma not long before the killings and showed her pictures of him and Stacey and the kids. He wanted to show off his family. So, obviously, who would show off their family and then kill them? Yeah, it's
1: like the Christmas pictures. Like, who right. takes these nice pictures right before you kill your kids?
0: Right. So, Elizabeth... Finally, was able to talk to Stacy, which I think is huge. Right. Stacy stated that she doesn't remember anything odd happening before the murders. She said that even though Vasquez testified that the space heater was turned off, but again, like we discussed in the last episode, he saw it turned off four days, four days. after the fire. Right. And again, anybody could have turned it off. Well, and, and if it-
1: you ran in during a fire. Or if you were in there at all, like, what you would turn it off. Like exactly. An, I mean, immediately.
0: fire. Exactly. It acts, I mean, that's fueling
1: it. Anybody would turn it off immediately. Right. So yeah, that didn't mean anything.
0: She, Stacey remembered turning it down before she left that morning. So, obviously, it was on. Right. She just turned it She knew it was down. on when she left. Yeah. She also said that she was worried that Amber may have put something too close to the space heater. Right. Stacy did admit that Willingham did not treat her the way she should be treated, He abused her, but she did marry a man that does treat her right now. However, she made sure that Elizabeth knew that she still did not believe that Willingham committed this crime. So again, like we were saying, she filed for divorce. She's gotten remarried to a man that treats her amazing, but she still believes that he didn't kill his kids. His crappy husband didn't kill his kids. Right,
1: got it. The defense only called, remember for character witnesses or whatever during the trial, they only called the babysitter in the initial trial. But in the penalty phase, there were several people called by the defense. Stacey remembered the prosecution asking her about William's tattoos, because he had skull tattoos. And again, we talked about that. We talked about that. Some panic panic. Yes. So, and his posters, remember he had the, yes. the posters The Grim Reaper. Off. Yes. So, but she was just emphatic that the skull tattoos were, again, just tattoos. And I literally can't imagine someone having a skull tattoo having anything to do with, like, convicting them of a
0: murder. Right? Or
1: the a penalty phase, or even bringing that up know. So. just so insane to me that that would play any role in a murder case.
0: Right. And, I mean, me personally, I love, like, sugar skulls or right. even just regular. Like, I have some stuff that has skulls on it. Right. Does that make me a murderer? Maybe.
1: <laughs> it could. No. Just kidding, obviously. But the prosecution during this penalty phase said that since Willingham had these tattoos, that he was a sociopath?
0: Yeah, that's just... I just anyway. I,
1: you, there's no words. There's no words for that. So they even had professionals come and testify that their theory of him being a sociopath was true. One of these professionals who testified had never even published anything regarding psychology, but the prosecutor had a personal relationship with him. So that's not sketchy at all. <laughs> I mean, come on. So, you just have your friend come in to testify, even though they had nothing, you know.
0: And I'm sure they called him an expert. Right. Though he had never
1: even published anything related to psychology. He was just a friend of the prosecutor. Crazy, you guys. Crazy. So, Jackson showed, Jackson's the prosecutor, and he showed that this man, Tim Gregory, who was a psychologist with a master's in marriage and family issues.
0: Marriage and right. family issues. Right. Showed
1: him posters, again, the posters we are talking about that were found in William's home. They had skulls and band posters and... And because of this, because of all the skulls, this psychologist testified that, and all of these pictures are in fire depicting. It reminds me of something like hell. And there's a picture, a Led Zeppelin picture of a falling angel. And I see that there's an association many times with cultive type of activities, a focus on death and dying. Many times individuals that have a lot of this type of art have interest in satanic type activities. I just can't even believe that's allowed in a trial.
0: Like, get over yourself. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I just can't believe, I really can't believe that that's even allowed in a trial.
0: Right. It's it's insane. It's insane. You want to talk about somebody that's insane? It's you, Mr. Gregory. (laughs) Yeah. Well,
1: and Mr. Gregory's insane, but like how unethical is... The prosecutor how unethical is jackson for even bringing this person in when this person has no None. special yeah no credentials and what he's talking about no publication anyway yeah so totally unethical as well the prosecution
0: yes so the second expert that the prosecution brought on was james p Grigson and he was a forensic <laughs> psychologist he had testified so much for the prosecution in death penalty cases that he had come to be known as Doctor Death. Doctor Death. In fact, Doctor Death wasn't that a, a podcast? It is a podcast. And I love that podcast. It is a yeah, it's it a good, good. podcast. Yeah. So, in fact, quote a Texas appellate judge once wrote that when Gregson appeared on the stand, the defendant might as well <laughs> commence writing out his last will. That's pretty sad. That's pretty sad. Yeah. Uh, Gregson testified that Willingham was an extremely severe sociopath and that no medication could ever help him. He had testified similarly in the death penalty case against Randall Dale Adams, who was convicted of killing a police officer. And I believe this was um, the Thin Blue Line. I'm not positive. Oh, okay. Just hours before Adams' execution, new evidence came in showing that Adams did not kill the officer. Eventually, Grigson was, quote, expelled from the American Psychiatric Association for a violation of ethics. Mm-hmm. It was shown that he made a diagnosis of individuals without actually examining them. Hmm.
1: Very interesting. So, did he never examine Willingham? He just. My kept, guess would be no. Okay. So, he just called him an extremely severe sociopath mm-hmm. based upon what? Hearsay? Uh, uh, posters? Based on Tattoos posters. and hearsay. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Great guy. <laughs> so, Elizabeth decided that since she had spoken to Stacy, who's the ex-wife, there was only one more person that she needed to talk to in regards to Willingham, and that person was Johnny Webb. He was the jailhouse informant that said that Willingham had confessed to him while in the jail. We've already talked about jailhouse informants as well. I mean, <laughs> really. Johnny Webb. Johnny Webb. So, she got to talk to him. He was known as a drug user, so make up that what you want. He was a young guy in his 20s. Webb told Elizabeth that he was diagnosed as having PTSD after being assaulted in jail, and his emotions were understandably all over the place. One fun fact about Webb's testimony was that under cross-examination, he admitted to not remembering that he had pled guilty for a robbery that he had committed just months earlier. So, I mean, something tells me because of this, he probably wouldn't remember Willingham's confession either. Right. Right. So he doesn't even remember what he's confessed to and what he hasn't. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So
1: he reiterates his testimony to Elizabeth. He said that when he was walking by Willingham's cell, Willingham confessed to him through a food slot that he'd killed his kids. So he just, I guess, leaned down. Like,
0: hey, dude, hey, stop what you're doing for a second. Let me tell, can tell you something. <laughs> I killed my kids. Right? How is that believable? Yeah, not at all. Just don't have words. Not
1: believable. Why <laughs> would he complain? I mean, he has steadfastly denied to anyone under all situations. He has denied, denied, denied. But to this one guy through the food slot, he leans down and confesses. And it was close to an area where guards wouldn't have been able to hear him.
0: So, And none of the guards said that he said that. Right. So, Webb. Webb is... Webb just wanted some of that free stuff.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so probably the most upsetting thing I think that Webb said to William was that Stacy had hurt the kids and he was covering up for her, and which had never been brought up ever, ever by anyone. Anyway. So and again, it was shown in the autopsy there were no other injuries to the children that would have not come from the fire. So there were no there was no evidence that that was true either. So
0: right. Webb's full of it. Uh huh. Many jailhouse informants, as we all know, are looking for reduced time or some kind of incentive for testifying about someone else. Right. Webb was in jail for robbery and forgery. He was heard by another inmate saying that he was trying to quote get his time cut. Hmm. Right. But this this is what uh, this kills me. This inmate was not allowed to testify because it was quote unquote hearsay. <laughs> So, I mean, wouldn't Webb's confession or Webb's saying that Willingham confessed not be hearsay? Of course that's hearsay. I, it's just crazy. absolutely. However, just a few months after talking to Elizabeth, Webb sent Jackson a letter saying he wanted to recant his testimony. Hmm, That's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. He said in this letter that, quote, Mr. Willingham is innocent of all charges. But guess who didn't hear about this recantation? Fillingham's attorneys, of attorney but of course didn't believe him anyway right. so i don't know why it's really that big of a deal and before they could find out webb recanted <laughs> his recantation he's just all over the place he's all
1: over the place
0: i wonder what he was promised from the prosecution to recant his recantation That's maybe recant- they said hey we'll give you some drugs
1: Do you... Remember the Ryan Ferguson case?
0: Yes. Okay, so this is
1: making me think of Ryan Ferguson and Charles Erickson. So, if any of you guys know about that case, Ryan Ferguson was convicted of murder as well. and There was no evidence whatsoever that he was a murderer. He was young 20s at the time, I think 19 or 20. But Charles Erickson said that that they did it, that they killed him, that they killed this guy. So, Ferguson was serving a life sentence in prison, but Erickson comes back to say, I lied. We didn't do it. Um, I, I lied, basically. And eventually, Ryan Ferguson did get released. Charles Erickson is still in jail, which is really sad because there's he didn't do it either. There's no evidence that he did it right. either. But they're working on getting him out. But It just makes me think of that case. But Ryan Ferguson had enough. Their family had enough resources and yes. money and people to help. Get him out and Willingham was just in this position where he didn't have anything. There was nobody for him. There was no one to speak up or no one certainly no money to hire people to help him out. But all of that anyway, that kind of reminds me of the Ryan Ferguson case. Sorry.
0: Right. Yeah. So Elizabeth was coming to the realization that other than the scientific investigation, nothing else added up to being found guilty. Again, you know, we talked about it before, but the refrigerator blocking the back door. Right. It was there because That one wasn't working, so they had moved it. And according to the police and Douglas Fogg, that was not what made them think of arson, which is really kind of interesting because Vasquez testified that he thought it did have something to do with the arson. Right. So I I don't know. They're they're all crazy. It's so, there's so many holes. It's just,
1: I think every case we look at, it always scares me. A little bit. Yeah. Think of the power that our criminal justice system has and how once you're kind of caught in its claws, Mm -hmm. you're generally, I hate to say S-O-L, like
0: 100% 100 horrible. You're
1: just, that's a horrible phrase to use, unless you're super wealthy sometimes, um, like the Ramesses, but anyway, terrible. So let's look at the death penalty for a minute, because as, you know, Willingham had the death penalty assigned to him so in 2000 The governor of Illinois, he was a death penalty advocate, and he took the death penalty off the table after 13 people on death row were exonerated. He backed up his decision saying he couldn't let people be put to death with such a broken system, and he couldn't chance putting someone to death if they were actually innocent.
0: Which I think is huge, because he's a proponent of the death penalty. Exactly. He's an
1: advocate. Right. But he still realized that so many people were being put to death, and that it was just a little bit too risky, so... There are also opponents of the death penalty that have pointed out some cases where people were executed were later found guilty. So an example, in 1993, Ruben Cantu was executed in Texas for fatally shooting a man during a robbery. Years later, a second victim who survived the shooting told the Houston Chronicle that he had been pressured by police to identify Cantu as the gunman, even though he believed Cantu to be innocent. Sam Millsap, who was the the DA in the case, he had once supported capital punishment, but he said he was really disturbed by the thought that he had made a mistake. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. Absolutely. And the same thing happened in the Ryan Ferguson case. A lady came forth who said the same thing that she was pressured by the defense to say, to point his picture out, to say, oh, yeah, it was him, it was him. She totally came out and said, yeah, she was totally pressured. It's really sad. It's terrifying.
0: And especially for someone who maybe does not have a great criminal record, right? like you're going to do everything you possibly can to make those officers happy. Yeah. And that was the same
1: with this lady. Absolutely. uh Yes. I think she had some drugs or something on her record, but yeah. He felt pressured. Another case in 95, there's was a man named Larry Griffin who was put to death in Missouri for a drive-by shooting of a drug dealer. And the case rested largely on eyewitness testimony of a career criminal, interesting, named Robert Fitzgerald. And he had been an informant for prosecutors before and was in the witness protection program. And Fitzgerald maintained that he happened to be at the scene because his car had broken down. But after Griffin's execution, a probe sponsored by the NAACP's Legal Defense and Education Fund revealed that a man who had been wounded during the incident insisted that Griffin was not the shooter. And the first police officer at the scene disputed that Fitzgerald had witnessed the crime as well. So
0: I isn't mean, that, again, interesting? Like. Interesting.
1: Ter- uh, terrifying, terrifying. Like
0: interesting in a way that are like, these people. Yeah. mm, Yeah, Anyways, it's really devastating. So going back to Willingham, he wrote Elizabeth a letter in 99 saying that he just wanted the state of Texas to not kill him, which is so sad. I couldn't even imagine reading that. He had begged his lawyers to try to get him off the death penalty. He told his attorney that he could not possibly understand what life was like on death row. So, hey, dude, like, please get me off. You do not get what I'm going through on a daily basis. Right, right. At one point, Willingham shared a cell with a serial killer, Ricky Lee Green, and he was executed in 97. Then he had a cellmate that had a very low IQ and was raped by another inmate on death row. He told his parents all about it, asking why anyone would do something like that to a person that had the IQ of a child. I, can you imagine life on death row? Even, I mean, no. I
1: just can't imagine. I, no. I literally... don't think i can imagine anything scarier
0: yeah eventually willingham flutter's home got quote darker Darker. he talked about how hard it was living on death row and that he was becoming a harder person living there he explained to his parents that at least one person was executed every month Mm -hmm. since he had been there it was hard and it was ruining him yeah it's just i mean and you have to become knows. a
1: harder person living there
0: One, for survival. Yeah, you, that's the only way to survive. Yeah. I mean, and you look at some of these people that have been in prison for all these years, and maybe they committed, I, I'm not saying this is all the time, but right. there are probably a few people in there that have never really committed a serious crime, and then they go to prison, and then they have to you know, defend themselves in right. prison, and you become such a hard yep. person. Yeah, And then that turns into reoffending because all you know how to do is be survive you're right. just
1: trying to survive absolutely yeah absolutely so some of the inmates on death row and willingham had formed friendships because i mean i imagine in jail you do form friendships right. naturally and i mean you don't have anyone else so his friends i mean some of the people that he considered friends are being executed he's watching his friends be executed so willingham started studying the the law himself because as he told his parents, I mean, his own lawyers didn't believe his innocence. They never did. From day one, even his right. lawyers had decided he was guilty. So on October 31st, 1997, the Court of Criminal Appeals denied his writ. He sent another writ to the federal courts and he was issued, he was issued a stay of execution at that time. Right. So, Which is impressive. I'm impressed I even gave him that. So, But in 2002, um, I guess five years later, the federal courts denied his writ of habeas corpus. Then he sent one to the U.S. Supreme Court. He was denied without even a hearing. And at this point, he started to try to get his affairs in order as he realized there was nothing else that could be done. I know. Yeah, that's sad. It is sad. And then
0: finally, he got a letter from TDCJ, which is, for those of you not in Texas, Texas Department of Criminal Justice, that his execution date was scheduled for February 17th, 2004. He let his parents know and all he had left was a grant of clemency by then governor of the state of Texas Rick Perry and again that did not work, of course. So that's where we're going to stop today. It's not really the end of the story. Right. There's so spoiler much <laughs> spoiler alert. But that is where we're going to stop today. We both have tons to do, so we're going to stop there. But don't forget all of our social medias twitter facebook instagram leave us a comment maybe leave us a comment <laughs> okay here's my thing i've been listening to a lot of killer queens uh-huh, right uh-huh. and they even said listen leave us good comments if you have right. a complaint email us that's true we would love that's true we would love to fix what you want us to yeah, fix. Yeah, absolutely. But don't put it out there to where everybody's reading it and then they're like, um, no, we don't want to listen. Try. Yeah. yeah. So please, all you haters out
1: there. <laughs> there are some of you. We know it. Yeah, we enjoy read comments.
0: it. We write your comments.
1: <laughs> Although most of them are overwhelmingly positive, yes. and thank you for that. Yes, we really do appreciate we it. We appreciate it.
0: So, Meg.
1: Amy. I think we're done. We're signing off. Get ready for the next episode. It gets interesting.
0: It does.
1: Have a good one. Bye.
0: Oh, my gosh. He told her that he didn't want her to think that he was... But, okay. So she found him to be, sorry. No,
1: they're empty. Actually, there is water water in the bottle, yeah. Do you want it? Okay, sure. (sighs) So we're at the library.
0: And apparently we're not supposed to have drinks to food in here.
1: Well, and Amy maybe just spilled her Coke on the I carpet. It's my brand new Coke. And uh, so they're onto us. They don't like us very much. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I have a bottle of water out. I want to make sure I put. Them on. <laughs> yes. Okay. So um, where are we? Where are we? Um, I don't, I don't know. Like... Oh. No. Way down. Okay,
0: 18?
1: Um oh, wait on nine. <laughs> I think nine or eighteen. There aren't even eighteen pages, but I mean that's fine. Um, but yeah. But she still let him vent to her. <laughs> sorry about that. I swear I had that on silent, So uh just legs <laughs> are those. Someone found my Uggs, so I'm not sure what child likes are wearing my <laughs> That's funny, dying. Sorry. Okay, text. Turning off my ringer, I swear. Okay, so. And there's a picture of Led Zeppelin falling. Oh, sorry. So,
0: it reminds- so many jailhouse informants, as we all know, are looking for reduced
1: blah. Cry- okay,
0: <laughs> let's start over. In two...
1: 1993, Ruben Cantu was executed in Texas for failing shooting a man during Roberty. Roberty <laughs> Robbery. For failing shooting a man during robbery. Oh my, oh my gosh. <laughs> you want to say
0: that?